You have 24 minutes. You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 24 Hour Nation is for government employees, volunteers, and nighttime business operators who want to enliven their cities at night. 24 Hour Nation is also for those looking to enrich their travel experiences with the newest and most innovative things to see, do, or savor in America's cities. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24 Hour Nation. Today, we are talking with Lauren R. Taylor, founder and director of Safe Bars out of Washington, D.C. Our topic is how businesses that serve alcohol can create a safer place for customers and employees. Here are 24 Minutes with Lauren Taylor. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, our focus, 24-hour nation's focus, of course, is the 24-hour economy of America's cities and bringing more attention to that untapped, often overlooked, and many times mismanaged, if I may say, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. part of the day. Certainly not all of the nighttime economy has to do with arts and culture, restaurants, bars, hotels, entertainment. Give us a high-level overview of what Safe Bars is all about and how your mission and focus overlaps with the nighttime space. So Safe Bars exists to create um, safe, respectful, and welcoming nighttime spaces. So it overlaps 100%. We understand the problem of harassment and other forms of violence, especially as they occur in hospitality spaces, in places where alcohol is being served. We're very clear that alcohol does not cause um, sexual harassment or any other problematic behavior, but there is a connection. You know, everybody is aware that people who will harass or worse use alcohol to incapacitate someone they're targeting, um, and to excuse their own behavior. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was drunk, right? So the rate of sexual harassment and assault is disproportionately high in alcohol-serving spaces, affecting both uh, guests and the people who work there. In the United States, the um, highest levels of workplace harassment are in restaurants. Other parts of hospitality have not, um, there's no data. The data is on restaurants and it's the highest level of workplace sexual harassment. So we exist, you know, to help folks who work in hospitality, make sure that their establishments are safe and welcoming for guests and safe and respectful for them as hospitality professionals. Okay. And so in, in going back in time, I read that in your 20s, Somewhere yes. you were uh, in the D.C. metro area and you found yourself with this um, sense, as women often have on, in an urban setting, oh, yeah. a heightened sense of fear. Men do not go there. Men not, maybe don't need to go there. Men don't have to go there. Men aren't cognizant enough to go there to realize what it's like to walk down a street and always be looking for exits or looking for safety. What about that spidey sense to uh -huh. tip to Spider-Man? What about that spidey sense? Help help the men listening to this um, podcast uh -huh. understand what that's about. Well, there's there's actually been quite a bit of research besides the example of my own life, which you called on, um, on, you know, the number of things 
that most women do every day to try to increase our safety. Um, and it's things like, you know, carrying your keys in your hands or, um, you know, looking around you constantly or sending a picture to your friend of the person you're going on a first date with or not taking a job in a place where you'd have to walk home at night or I mean, the list is endless. And very often people who do education on sexual violence, especially if they work with men, will ask ask the women, you know, when was the last time you feared for your safety or your life? And the women will say, you know, on my way here to this seminar. And the men will say, you know, when I was in Iraq, mm. um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just not as much a day-to-day thing. So it, you were really dealing with, and, and, you know, I mean, I think I have to be less simplistic about it. If you're, if you're a a black or brown man, that might be more often. Correct. Uh, uh, but but yeah, we do kind of work and we live in parallel wor- worlds where our perceptions of safety and our realistic risks are quite different. So then, from your so from from your own story, though, uh-huh. you decided to do something about that. You decided you needed to kind of overcome this. I don't know what fear. Well, the truth is, I grew up in D.C., so. I've been here all my life. It is one of the cities with a very high rate of street harassment. The average age where street harassment starts in the United States, I think, is 12. Um, I was 11 the first time I was harassed. And public space harassment generally, which includes hospitality spaces, right, serves to, to make those targeted live in fear. And so what I did in my 20s was I took a self-defense class and it definitely reduced my fear. And so I got so hooked on that feeling of like, oh, I have some power. I can make choices. I can, you know, I don't have to live so much in fear. And so then I ended up um, basically dedicating my life to ending gender-based violence. (laughs) And and you learn that it's not just about uh, getting physical skills to oh, defend yourself, but it's also the mind. Yes. So it's also the, the I would say the biggest I mean, the mind plays a big role. And the other thing is that, you know, verbal skills. So boundary setting, assertiveness, being able to speak up for yourself, being able to say that's OK with me. That's not OK with me. You know, those things happen as often as every day, whereas the things that are actually physically threatening actually happen pretty rarely. So it's it's the verbal skills that you really need. And so from that gender-based mm, uh-huh. violence or threat came eventually the securitous routes to Safe Bars. Yes. How was Safe Bars born? Why did you decide I need to go there? I need to go to I needed to go into right alcohol serving establishments. Someone mentioned to me something about training active bystander skills in hospitality spaces. And that was a total light bulb moment for me. And I don't know how old most of your listeners are, but I felt like, you know, the old quote about people asking Al Capone why he robbed banks. And his answer was, because that's where the money is. Uh, For me, it was, 
for me, it was, this was a light bulb moment of like, oh, that's where the intersection of alcohol and sexual violence is, right? And, and I already had training expertise, gender-based violence expertise, you know, curriculum development expertise. The only thing missing was hospitality expertise. I, I had never worked in hospitality except one summer when I was in college that barely doesn't even count. Right. So, so we brought on board a whole lot of hospitality folks um, to make sure that we were relevant and on point in terms of what people needed. Um, but it really, it was like, okay, here's a place in the hospitality space where we can make a huge difference because honestly, going into a lot of bars, restaurants, clubs, breweries, concert venues, et cetera. I have absolutely seen that the vast majority of the people who work there want to do the right thing. And a lot of them are already doing bystander intervention type skills to look out for their coworkers or look out for their guests. Um, and what we bring is our additional skills, an opportunity for practice, an opportunity for conversation with your coworkers to set up team values around this, to figure out how you're going to have each other's backs, how you're going to have your guests' backs. You know, I, I kind of think most of the people who go into hospitality work, like they have hospitality values, they they care about other people. So, you know, their hearts are already in the right place. And we just add some skills to that. And when you when you wound up bringing in some folks from the hospitality sector, the bars and restaurants, what did you learn that made you go that gave you aha moments that said we absolutely need to need to be responsive to this element? I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I feel like I I learned so much about hospitality culture which I'm not sure I could articulate at this moment. And I still feel like I'm playing catch up because half of our, more than half of our trainers are bartenders and other hospitality professionals. So they're really smart about all that stuff. I I would say I was shocked at the level of casual day-to-day harassment in the industry Mm. and some of it being low key and some of it being really quite vicious and the, the number of serial harassers who work in the industry, including, you know, somebody just talked to me and named three bartenders in the DC scene. And I'm sure there are more, but three bartenders in the DC scene who like have committed sexual assault multiple times, including drugging people. You know, obviously they're very, very much the minority. And as I was saying earlier, most hospitality people want to do the right thing and their heart is in the right place and they just are happy to get some more skills from us. But, you know, the people who get away with stuff. Right. Like, I, I was a little bit blown away by how much of that there is. It's a little bit like finding, finding a child sex predator being a counselor at a camp, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, you know, and especially because in in hospitality, it's so easy to just like, you know, somebody finds you out and you just quit the job and get another job. People right. change jobs all the time. It's not a big deal. Right. 
And so explain active bystander training. I know mm -hmm. this is actually something, even though I've worked in, in the hospitality space for a client for mm -hmm. uh, half a decade, this was relatively a new thing mm -hmm. and to, to realize that particularly we're asking service industry professional folks, but individuals too can become a part of this network of, I see something, I say something, I do something that's safe. That doesn't put me at risk, but explain active bystander. Active bystander is when you are the witness to something problematic. You're not the person doing the problematic behavior, and then not you're not the person being targeted for the problematic behavior, but you happen to see it. And our trainings help with several at several points along the way. So one is we help you identify it and know when something is a problem, right? So um, where something you might have just like caught out of the corner of your eye, but not really thought to look twice after our training, you'll definitely, you'll check it out. Seeing things, identifying them, and then interrupting them in ways, yes, as you said, that, you know, don't put you at risk. Um, we give you lots and lots of options. So we're never saying like, if this happens, do this, or if that happens, do that. Um, but rather, you already have tools in your toolbox. Everybody has probably been an active bystander at some point in their lives, not necessarily at work, but somewhere you've said like, um, hold on a minute. What we do is just expand the tools in your toolbox so that when you see something and identify it as a problem, you'll have a range of strategies to choose from. And you can pick the one that fits but best for you and for the situation. And also if that thing doesn't work and you wanna try something else, you'll have yet more tools in your toolbox. And the other thing that SafeBars does beyond those specific skills is create the space for the team who works at a particular establishment to have this conversation and say, here's what I do, you know, and then someone else says, here's what I do. And all of a sudden, even without SafeBars having said anything, people are skill sharing and you, you develop a team culture around it. You can change the culture of your establishment to one of safety and respect. You have shared language around it. Um, you know who you can rely on. You know, like I go into so many bars where it's like, if it's this kind of situation, I ask Jason, and if it's that kind of a situation, I ask Rebecca. Like people know what people are good at, right? Um, you know, somebody's good at de-escalation, somebody's good at distraction, somebody's good at being direct. Somebody, you know, lots of times they'll be like, "Here's the really big guy who's really soft-spoken and gentle. We'll just have him go stand over next to the problematic person, and all of a sudden it stops." Like people are already doing things like this, and we just build on it. Let's see. Now, we often talk a lot about uh, results, results oriented, evidence based, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's easy to talk about the actions we are taking and the things we're doing, the activity. And but give me a couple of examples when what Safe Bars has taught a team or an individual in a business establishment has actually yielded a result that was very positive. You got a couple? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I imagined so you did. We are evidence-based in the sense that there's really good research on active bystander training, but there is no 
research specifically on active bystanders training in hospitality spaces yet. Interesting. Um, you know, I think about, God, I have so many stories. A bartender who, I just love this one. And let me just say, even though most of my examples involve a man doing something problematic to a woman, we know that anybody can be an aggressor and anybody can be a target. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Right. Um, so, but in this situation, a guy was on the actual bar, sitting at the bar, and a woman was also sitting at the bar, and he kept just like trying to interrupt her, getting conversation with her, stand too close, et cetera, et cetera. And the bartender took his drink and moved it like three seats down on the bar and said, you're sitting there now, you know why. And, you know, very low key. A simple act. Very simple, very direct, very powerful with a little bit of humor in it. I mean, I thought it was profoundly creative and well done. And de-escalated a situation. Right, right. Um, We did have a woman write to us the day after something happened to her. Again, it was with a bartender, not a server or host or anything, but it was with a bartender. And that bartender had interrupted something. And after it was over and she thanked the bartender, the bartender said, oh, well, I learned that in safe bars. And um, and so she wrote to us and was like, oh, my God, you know, this is because this guy was really aggressing on me, like really hard. And she said, you know, you you may have stopped a rape. Mm, mm. So and your training is in person, correct? I mean, anybody we live in a TikTok era where people go learn how to ice a cake or cut the kid's hair by watching a TikTok video. Right. This you can't really learn this off of video, right? Well, th- there's two answers to that. So our training is live interactive and participatory you cannot learn it by watching a video because you don't people don't learn that way right. i mean maybe maybe how to change a tire but it needs to be interactive and it needs to be hands-on um that said since the pandemic we have been doing it on zoom which keeps the interactive sure part um you know we do a lot of exercises, we do breakout groups, we do role plays, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, I still like to be in person. Right. There's still advantages to in person, but people, um, we've done a ton of training since the pandemic started and, and people are saying that it's very effective and they're using the skills they learn. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that's that sexual violence or alcohol related violence isn't just man on woman and it can right. be man. It can be man on man. It can be woman right. on because it's not just limited to the heterosexual bar community as well. Right. 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 So it doesn't matter what your gender is, whether you're a man, a woman, non-binary or something else doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. Um, Anybody can be an aggressor and anybody can be a target. That said, the vast majority of aggressors are men. Most men are not aggressors, but the vast majority of aggressors are men. Right. And the vast majority of people who are targeted are women and LGBTQ people. Okay. Um, Okay. So that's helpful information to have when you're keeping your eye open but you don't want to think it's only those people because you do want to have your eyes open to anybody targeting anybody. 
Sure. And and so if somebody wants to receive this training or wants to contact Safe Bars, what's 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 the process here? They reach out to you and is it a fee? What's the structure? So it's super simple. It's info at safebars.org. Info at safebars.org. We do charge for trainings. Um, we will, when you get in touch with us, we will um, ask you a lot of questions like, how many people work in your place and what kinds of problems have you had? What kind of, you know, where are you looking to go? Because our it's not, it's not a box training. It's not a video. It's very tailored to your individual establishment and your needs. So we'll ask you a lot of questions and hear, hear what you want from us. And then uh, our fees are on a scale so that a big chain is not paying the same as a mom and pop. Gotcha. So, um, and you're not limited to just the DC area. I'm certainly. No, no, no. We train everywhere. We've trained out of the country. All right. All right. And, and what, if I may ask, when they're, when you're working with a team at a restaurant or bar or other alcohol um, uh, licensed venue, what does the manager do to tell or the employee, the owner do to tell the employees that this is valuable, that this, so they're not standing there with their eyes rolling back going, oh my gosh, I have to do something else. What, what's the, what's the buy-in for them? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's different for every establishment and honestly, I'm not there for that conversation. Um, But, you know, the effective ones say like, this is where we want to go. We want to be safe for everybody, including all of you. And we we're doing a great job as a team, but we'd like to up our game. And so I'm bringing these folks in for this two and a half hour training. And it's really most effective if you participate. So please really show up. And if we and if our customers know it's a safe place, it'll be more tips for you. The right. business will succeed. We'll be here next year. You can rely on right. us because you need yeah. dependability in an unstable kind of work environment. Yes. Gotcha. Oh, that's it's, all good. it's good for the business all around. I mean, for customer loyalty, as you pointed out, also, you know, reduced staff turnover. If if people feel safe and respected, they're more likely to stay. That's absolutely true. Now, and again, you said that people can reach you at info at safebars.org. They can also just go directly to your website, safebars.org. You're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at safebarshq, as in headquarters, right? Yep. Safebarshq. And then I see that you're also on LinkedIn at Safebar. So Laura, Lauren Taylor, founder and director of Safebars, the last word is yours. What do people most need to know about what safe bars can do for them? People tend to think that it is only what to do when somebody's actually being attacked, but it's actually about teaching people skills for how everybody relates to each other every day and that you can create a space that you want to work in. This has been Season 1, Episode 10 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Find us online at 24hournation.com and on social at 24 Hour Nation.